Hey everybody, thank you again so much for listening to the last couple of episodes. I have noticed that we have seen a spike of viewers recently and I really do appreciate you guys listening. It is awesome, I'm so glad you guys like this. Um, Again, uh, keep up with the Twitter, you guys will be able to keep up pretty much with everything that we do here in the show, polls, uh, quizzes, all kinds of cool stuff, so... Haven't done a whole lot on that Twitter yet, just because it's still new. <laughs> um, but definitely check it out. It is at Ghoul's Tales. Um, again, I'll put that in the description for you guys. But so today, um, today's going to be a little bit interesting. We are going to do most likely a two-part episode, um, kind of like we did with Daniel LaPlante, and. Yeah, um, I'm very much not excited for this one. <laughs> so, we're actually going to be looking over Gertrude Nadine Benizweski. I can't say her last name, so I might say that wrong. Um, to give you an idea, her case and the case in question was actually called the single worst crime perpetrated against an individual in Indiana's history. So, it's a big one. It's a big one. Um, she's actually known as the torture mother, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a big one. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get into our sponsorship, and then we'll go ahead and start the new episode. Like I said before, Gertrude Nadine Benizweki, I will never be able to say her name correctly, so I do apologize for that. Um, Her, she's literally known as the torture mother, and it's just insane. So to kind of give you her status currently, um, she is sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Um, She was sentenced on May 24th, 1966. And she was resentenced to 18 years of life. Yeah. 18 years to life, sorry. Released on December 4th, 1985. And she actually died on June 16th, 1990. So, she's not around anymore, but you know. Um, so, everything, the date of the murder actually took place on October 26, 1965. And she actually got arrested that same day. So it wasn't necessarily that it was a difficult case or anything. You'll see. Just trust me. It's... Yeah. Um, she was only... She only actually murdered one victim. And... Which is insane to me that she actually still holds the title as a single worst crime perpetrated by, against... An individual in Indiana's history. Like, that's insane to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's kind of 
figure out what she did and how she did it. So, and like I said, this is probably going to be a two-parter, but we'll see. You never know. I might get into this and get going. So, Gertrude Benizwecki. Benizwecki? I, th- I still don't think that's right. Anyway, was born on 1920 in 1929 and died in 1990. She was also known as Gertrude Wright, which is probably what I would continue calling her. <laughs> um... She was an Indiana divorcee who overseed and facilitated the prolonged torture, mutilation, and eventual murder of Sylvia Likens, who was a teenage girl that she took into her home. Yay! <laughs> uh, the case is unique in that while Wright did play an active role in Likens' death, the majority of the torture that eventually brought about the demise was actually carrying carried out by the teenage children and other neighborhood children. So that's kind of what makes this a little difficult because while yes, she was the main perpetrator, she also had a lot of help. <laughs> yeah. Um, she did actually instruct the children in the neighborhood on several occasions. And it was later discovered that they took a large degree of the torture into their own hands. So, yeah. Um, To give you some kind of a detail, it's kind of like if a Lord of the Flies scenario kind of came to life. If that tells you anything of how bad this was. Um, She was, when she was first convicted, she was convicted of first degree murder in 1965. And, yeah. (laughs) So, to kind of give you an idea of what she was like before she started um, taking care of Sylvia Likens. Um, She was born Gertrude Van Fossen in 1929. And she was the third of six children. Yeah. Little is known about her childhood because there's not a whole lot of documentation of it um but they do know from what she has said that she had an extremely close bond with her father and had a extremely cold relationship with her mother so it made it a little bit different so uh further wedges were actually driven between her and her mother when the father died in 1940, when she was just 11. And she was actually there when she saw her father die of a sudden heart attack. So, I can imagine what that would be like. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't even, yeah. Uh, five years later, though, uh, she dropped out of school at the age of 16. And she married an 18-year-old deputy by the name of John Benizwecki. Zweski. Wecki. I can't say her name. I can't say his name. I'm sorry. Um, and then she ended up having four children at that time. And John had a very volatile temper to the point where if she was annoying him, she would get beaten. So... And the two actually stayed together for 10 years before actually getting a divorce. And Gertrude was then 
granted custody of the children. Yeah. Um, within that first year of her divorce, she actually met and married a man named Edward Guthrie, who divorced her after three months when he tried... When Yeah, wow. Ah, words. <laughs> he divorced her three months after getting married when he was tired of having her children around. You know, because that's something to get a divorce for. Um, shortly after, Gertrude and John, who was the original husband, actually reconciled and got remarried. And the couple stayed together for another seven years and had two more children before divorcing permanently in 1963. Yeah, so it's kind of a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth situation. Uh, around the time, there was, he, she was 37 around this time. She began an affair and moved in with a 23 year old who was going by the name Dennis Lee Wright who actually further abused her from there. And she did become pregnant by him twice during that time that she had an affair. And she actually suffered one miscarriage, which was the result of being assaulted by him. And she did give birth to one child. Yeah. Um... The child who they, she named Dennis Jr. would be the last child. So in all, she had seven children and actually suffered from six miscarriages. So, yeah, she would have had a lot of kids. Um, but like I said, they there was a either something health-wise or because of all the assault. That caused her to miscarry six of them. Yeah. Um, so, during this time, of course, um, financial problems were very bad. And she, at the time, had a 17-year-old daughter whose name was Paula. And she actually found out that she was three months pregnant after a fling that the daughter had with a married man. Yeah. So, <laughs> she definitely had an interesting life, I'll just put it that way. Um, around this time, Gertrude's health actually ended up declining very quickly. And she was chronically ill with a number of unidentified illnesses. And... She stopped practicing proper hygiene. She barely ate. And it really actually caused a lot of her outward appearance to go away as well. Which you will see in the pictures. Um, that I'll post later. <laughs> um, she started getting a receding hairline. She had sunken in eyes. She basically looked like a skeleton at one point. Um... All of a sudden, she started presenting herself as Mrs. White, uh, Wright, sorry, and claiming that she had in fact married Dennis before he abandoned her, which allowed her to keep up a 
veneer of respectability, I guess you can call it. <laughs> so, that was kind of her in the past, but this is where stuff gets a little touchy. So, yeah. <laughs> in July of 1965, Paula, which was Gertrude's daughter, met up with a friend of hers named Darlene McGuire, who introduced her, basically, to two of the neighborhood girls there. Uh, one whose name was Sylvia Marie Likens, who was 16 years old, and the younger sister, Jenny, who was 15, and she was required to walk in a brace due to polio reasons. So, that kind of caused some issues, of course, health-wise, naturally. Um, and they ended up going up to, back to their home on 3850 East New York Street, uh, where they were staying, and they drank soda and used to hang out and listen to music on the record machine, which is really cool. I used to have a record machine, actually, when I was younger, <laughs> and I loved it. It was awesome. I think it still, I think it actually would still work. I just need to get a new needle for the records, but in general, I, I could see where they would have had fun with that, you know? And, um, the Likens girl, girls, sorry, um, the mother Betty was at the time in the county jail, um, because she got arrested for shoplifting and that kind of left Sylvia to take care of her sister, Betty. And How do I put this? <laughs> sorry. So, I'm sorry. Sylvia was actually taking care of Jenny most of the time because Betty actually abandoned the father of the two girls. And, the, uh, yeah. Effectively ended up kidnapping the two daughters. So, that's kind of where that went. <laughs> um, when Paula actually heard of the girl's circumstances. She offered to let Sylvia and Jenny spend the night with them. And at this point, there was never really an issue with them having friends over. It was always kind of like a just, you know, understood situation. Girls are going to have friends over. So they didn't really think of anything else, you know? So the next day is where things for them gets a little touchy. Um, Lester, who the girls ran away from, um, arrived back in town and was basically tracking down his wife and children. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just want you to keep all this in mind, right? And... Lester ran into Darlene and gave them description and Lester actually was like, hey, I'm looking for my daughters. They look like this and this and this, you know. And 
he she just told him, yeah, that they're overstaying at uh, the Beneswenki's house. They're having a sleepover together, listening to music, you know, just, I mean, you know, it's, it's a child, and it's her dad, you know, hey, where's my kid at? I've been looking for her for a couple days now. Yeah, she's right over there. Yeah, giving no thought to that one. <laughs> um, so, Lester actually arrived at Gertrude's house, and she ended up introducing herself as, Hi there, my name is Mrs. White. Right. He was saying white. Right. <laughs> and the two actually started striking up a conversation over the course of which the idea came up that Gertrude might take in Sylvia and Jenny as boarders. Um, like, she, at that point, has spoken with his wife at the county jail. And they reconciled and agreed to travel the United States carnival circuit as carnies together once she got out of jail. While the children stayed with Gertrude. I can't imagine just being like, yeah, we're going to travel the world together. Um, here, take my kids. You know? So that was weird. Anyway, to begin with. <laughs> um, so, no one actually really knows if Lester and Gertrude actually suggested that they boarded the child, the girls, or like if it was a situation that they just did and didn't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> there's no documentation of it anywhere. Um, but most people believe that they kind of actually had a conversation together. But uh, Lester ended up agreeing to leave the children um, in Gertrude's care and would pay her $20 a week for taking care of them. So um, Lester did not inspect the home before leaving. Um, had he done so, he would have discovered that the home itself had no stove or microwave, and there are only enough beds for half the people in the house. <laughs> um, the only thing that she actually kept in the pantry was bread and crackers, and most of the house is actually caked in thick layers of dirt, and there's only enough plates and eating utensils for three people. So. Yeah. So at this point, she's really started to pretty much lose her mind at this point. So. Oh, here was where it gets fun. <laughs> um, so this is where the early abuse starts to take place. The first week of Sylvia and Jenny's lives at the house was actually very good, very well. Um, they attended a high school and attended social functions at the high school with the other children as well as church on Sundays. So, you know, normal, normal. Um, basically, when Lester's first $20 payment failed to come through... Gertrude started to throw temper tantrums and started screaming at the girls telling them that 
sorry for the language, but I took care of you two bitches for nothing. Sorry, language. Um, before forcing them to lie across their beds with their skirts and underwear around their ankles while Gertrude began to beat them on their butts, naturally. Um, shortly thereafter, Lester and Betty came into town to check on the girls, which neither of them made any references to the beatings, and they just kind of didn't think that she was a threat. The parents didn't, so they just, you know, went on their way. Um, the next week, Sylvia and Jenny actually went through the neighborhood garbage to collect old Coke bottles. Um, because back then you could actually sell them for money, and you can get, like, little penny candies and stuff like that. And when they had come home with all the candy, they, the mother, well, not the mother, but Gertrude, accused them of stealing. (laughs) And when they explained how they got in the candy, they, she accused them of lying and made them bend over again on the bed and beat them with a paddle. Yeah. Isn't she great? Um, shortly after, the children came to Gertrude again after a church social and told her that they were disgusted with the amount of food that they have seen Sylvia eating. Yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah, that's where it gets interesting. The Gertrude's children started turning against Sylvia during this entire time. And Gertrude told Sylvia that she was angry. And basically was like, hey, you need to do something uh, because you're ruining your physical appearance. Yeah. And then she forced the girl to eat a hot dog that was covered in everything. Um, Sylvia actually ended up vomiting and was forced to scoop up her own vomit and eat it. Yeah, sorry. Um, Soon after, uh, Lester and Betty again came back into town to check on the girls per Gertrude's instructions. And Sylvia made no reference and did not tell anybody about the situation. Yeah. Um, on that note. <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and pause this episode here. And then I'll go ahead and make a part two about it. Because next part is where it gets really, really, really dark and creepy. And there's a lot of interesting things that happen, so... Yeah, get ready to hear that in a little while. (laughs) So I will, like I said, pause this and we will get back in the next part. Alright, have a great day guys. Bye!